are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Acts chapter 5, verse 17, verse 29. Then the high priest rose up, and all they which were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, and brought them forth, and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning, and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut, with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the man whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the, the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people. That's a good thing, by the way, when the government fears the people. Amen. Government should be fearful of the people. And brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I do love you. Thank you for salvation. That is my testimony. I'm just a sinner. Saved by your grace. I am so glad I got to hear that gospel one last time. I thank you for that day, September 14, 1986, when I heard Dr. Curtis Hudson preach. And I thank you, Holy Spirit of God, for convicting my soul. And I thank you, Father, for what you have done. I am not worthy, but you are. And Father, I pray that tonight you would help me to bring glory to your name. I ask that Holy Spirit of God, you would give me boldness to say what needs to be said. And I pray, Father, that you give me wisdom. And I ask God that your name be glorified and lifted up tonight. May we serve you even more diligently and faithfully because of what we hear. We love you. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for heaven someday. And thank you for today. Thank you for this church and the fact that we have service tonight. I pray you bless our time together. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The passage that we just read records the second time that the Apostle Peter was arrested. The first time was in chapter 4. 
he and the apostle John were brought before the religious council and were told not to teach any more about Jesus. In fact, let's turn there, please. Acts chapter 4, I'll read from verse 15 to 19. The Bible says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and, uh, sorry, uh, what did I say, 15. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a, port, a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, Judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In both chapters, Peter told the authorities, you know, God gave us a command to witness for him. And now you're here telling us not to do it. Well, let me tell you this. We ought to obey God rather than man. You see, our loyalty first and foremost is on God. As Brother Everson mentioned, our topic tonight is allegiance to the local New Testament church. Webster defines allegiance as the tie or obligation of a subject to his prince or government. The duty of fidelity or faithfulness to a king, government or state. Every native or citizen owes allegiance to the government under which he is born. This is called natural or implied allegiance. If you were born in this country... It's naturally implied that you, have, you, uh, you pledge allegiance to this country, that your lo loyalty is to this country, which arises from the connection of a person with the society in which is born, and its duty to be faithful subject independent of any uh, express promise. Express allegiance is that obligation which proceeds from an express promise of, our, of oath and of fidelity. The pledge of allegiance that we recite is an express allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And so, and so, I believe it's June 1986, I made that pledge for the first time as I became a citizen of this country. I meant it then and I still mean it today. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Let me say this by way of introduction. Because of our, how our country was founded, the text that we read, I found it hard to relate uh, somewhat to the Apostle Peter in his stand against government orders. I want us uh, briefly to think about how unique the founding of our country really was. From the beginning, the forefathers acknowledged that government is servant to God and the people. The Declaration of Independence asserts that, that there are certain rights that come from God alone. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness has a lot to do with property. Getting property to enjoy and to pass on to your children. And that's, that's what we're talking about there. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It declares that the purpose of government is to secure 
these rights. Government did not give us this right. The government's responsibility is to secure and protect it for the citizens. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That means you cannot take it back. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, that's their responsibility. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. The power comes from the people, not the government. The rights come from God. And so from the beginning, our government realized that there is a God and, uh, and they are servant to God and the people. The role of government has been that of servant of the people to make sure that individual God-given rights are protected. For years, the government and God's people, that's the churches, have basically gone the same direction. Government did not interfere with the duties of the church. And in some instances, have helped with the mission of the church. Printing Bibles come to mind. The first right listed in our Bill of Rights is the freedom to worship God as we see fit. That's why we don't have a state church. Why? Government is not supposed to be able to pass a law declaring that this church is the official church for the country. No, we get to worship God the way we see fit. We get to go to church anyway, anywhere we want to. No such thing as an approved church. And nobody tells you who to worship, what to worship, and how to worship, and why you worship. For many years, the government has been a complement to the church, not an adversary. And because of that, America has been so blessed by God. It is not an accident that we are the greatest country in the world, economically and militarily. As the government has allowed the churches to do the work of God, God has blessed. By the way, it is because of that that America was able to reach much of the world with the gospel. The secret to America's greatness is the government's willingness to leave God's people alone. But I'm not talking about this. This is by way of introduction. It gets a little bit more personal after a while. So the government let churches preach what God tells them to preach. To let churches witness for Christ. To let churches have their bus ministries and Sunday schools and big days. To let them get the gospel out around the world. To let the church do righteous things for the people. Righteousness exalteth a nation. And allowing God's people to do righteous acts did not hurt this country one bit. It paved the way for God's blessings. Think about it. God's people are His children. And as a heavenly father, won't you favor a country that loves the children? I would. If it's my children and the country is good to my children, I want to bestow as much favor as I can if I was God. And so God's children have been favored and have been uh, pretty much left alone to do the word of God. So our government has been good to Christians. So we really have no idea. Some of us may, some of us who come from other countries may be more oppressive than ours. But uh, most of us, for the most part, God, the government has been good to us. So I have no idea what Peter and John went through to be arrested for preaching the gospel. 
I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody in this church that's been the, that, that has happened to. We're not there yet. To be beaten because we preach Christ, we're not there yet. Other countries have. Other people from other, uh, other countries around the world have. They, they've experienced that. Christians in other parts of the world are actually going through physical suffering for their faith. But not us. We're not there yet. Christians in other parts of the world are actually being put to death because of their testimony for Christ. But not us. We're not there yet. But unless God intervenes, we are headed to the time when our allegiance to the church will be severely tested. And by church, I mean the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ himself, the prince of uh, uh, princes, the king of kings, uh, the, uh, our, our savior, our redeemer. And because he is what he is, we owe our undying allegiance to him alone. You see, so when I say allegiance to the church, I'm taking it all the way to the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ himself. And so unless God intervenes in this country, we are headed to the time when our allegiance to Christ will be severely tested. We'll find out, by the way, COVID is just a prelude. We found out who were serious to, with God. Okay, and praise the Lord, we're seeing come back. That's good, praise God. But there's some people that will never come back. You see, God was good when the times were good. When the times were a little bit difficult, then God's no good for them anymore. Let me tell, let me tell you a secret. God is good all the time. Whether times are good or not, God is always good, amen. And God is still God, and God is still King, and God is still our Redeemer. God is still our Savior, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. But unless God intervenes, we're going to find out how loyal we are to Christ. To have allegiance is to be loyal and faithful at all costs. Paul was loyal and faithful to Christ, and he was beheaded in a Roman prison. Uh, Stephen was loyal and faithful to Christ and he was stoned to death. John was loyal and faithful to Christ and he was boiled alive in oil and then exiled to an island prison. James, the brother of John, was faithful and he was killed by Herod. And tradition tells us that many of the apostles were martyred for their faith. And as I was preparing this message, I, I can't help but feel the weight of this subject tonight. And that is the subject of the lo our loyalty to Christ and I tried steering it a, a little bit more you know hip hip hooray everything's good I couldn't because this subject is a very serious matter with God turn to Luke chapter 14 please Luke chapter 14 notice what Jesus himself our king our redeemer our savior himself says about this matter of loyalty of being a disciple, a follower, a follower to the end, by the way. That's what loyalty is. That's what fidelity is. And that's what faithfulness is. Luke chapter 14 and verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. 
And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply after he had laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he had, he says, likewise, he says, I want you to count the cost of what it means to be a true follower of Christ. I want you to count the cause of what it means to truly be faithful unto death. So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciples. That, those are heavy words to me. It says, forsaketh not all that he hath. Those are somber words. But it is the cause of discipleship. It is the cause of loyalty to Christ. And may I say that Jesus deserves our loyalty. Our Savior deserves our faithfulness. Our Savior deserves our fidelity to Him. Again, it is because of God's blessings to us in this country that most of us really have not known what it is to be truly loyal to him, to forsake all that we have, to die to our desires, our plans, our agendas in order to follow him. Some have suffered here and you're going through suffering right now. I'm not talking about that. And, and God bless you, your faithfulness to Christ and, not, and just serving God even though you're going through hardships and heartaches. But I'm talking about in our witness for Christ and standing up for Christ. We've not really known what it is to be faithful unto death. It's been easy to be a Christian here in America. Oh yeah, we have the inconveniences of COVID. But it's been easy to be a Christian here in America. But you know what? That doesn't mean that we should not be willing to be a true disciple of Christ. That should not mean that we would not be willing to be loyal to Christ. To be faithful unto death. Let me just give you several statements about loyalty. One, loyalty to Christ means faithfulness to his message. Loyalty to Christ means faithfulness to his message. Peter and John got in trouble because of their message, but they did not change it. Acts chapter 4 verse 9. It says, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole... Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, but, that, but the, that the by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. 
But when they had commanded them to go outside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to this man? For that indeed a notable miracle had been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But that is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them to not speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Would it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God? Judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They said, no, we're not going to stop preaching in his name. If we did, then we have nothing to preach about. Our message is what we have seen in Christ and what we've heard from Christ. We can't change that. You can forbid us all you want to. You can tell us to stop, but we won't. We'll continue to preach Christ. We have nothing to preach unless we preach Christ. No, we will keep preaching Christ. Amen. Loyalty to Christ means preaching the word regardless of threats of arrest or punishment. Our message is not for sale. God's word is not to be bound and controlled by government just because they don't like what we are saying. Amen. Jesus is still the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. You know, you can't go to heaven any other way but Jesus Christ. You can't go to heaven any other way but by trusting him and him alone for salvation. He is still the way, the truth, and the life. And no man still can go to the Father but by Him. Amen. And that is the message. And that cannot change. It is the only message. Jesus is still the way. Amen. The message is not for sale. You may not like it, but that is the truth. Amen. And by the way, the message uh, is the Word of God right here. Every single word from the Word of God is our message. From Genesis to Revelation. And if the people don't like that, we have this thing now of equity. Everything is equity. No, sir. God made man and woman. That's about it. You can try to be equal all you want to and come up with all these uh, alphabets of describing what you are. I identify as a girl. I don't identify as a girl. I was born a man. I'm still a man. I know we're being watched. That's for their sake. Amen. People watching. And by the way, let me say this. Those of you watching, thank you for watching. But there's still only one way to heaven. If you're trusting your good works to take you to heaven, you're not going to make there. Because nobody's good enough to go to heaven. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. See, Jesus was the man, uh, the Son of God, born and lived a perfect life. And He took our sins on Him. And without His sacrifice, we'll never make it to heaven. And by faith in Him alone to take us to heaven, then that's the only way we're going to get eternal life. No one can give you eternal life. This church cannot give you eternal life. Your church cannot give you eternal life. There's only one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And that is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Only one Savior. That doesn't mean we hate your church just because you don't believe like us. That has nothing to do with that. That's what people are talking about. You know, if we don't agree with them, they, we hate them. No, we don't. Yeah. It's just that some things are not for sale. Amen. Some things cannot be changed because we have no right to change it. It's the faith that was once delivered to all the saints and we have no right to change it. Amen. They said, no, we're not going to stop preaching in his name. If we did, then we have no, nothing to preach. Loyalty to Christ means preaching the word regardless of threats 
of imprisonment, arrest. We're not yet suffering physical harm or imprisonment because of that message. But if that day ever comes, loyalty to Christ means keep preaching the same message. The day may come when government will come and say, you know, for the sake of the community, we don't want you to be so divisive in your message. We want you to say things that, prom that promote unity. No, sir. We're still going to preach the word of God. We're still going to preach what God says. There's still only one way to heaven. Not the Baptist church, not the Catholic church, not, the, uh, the, not Muslims, not, not, not Methodists, no, no other religion. It's only through Christ that we get saved. Amen. Salvation is in a name. It's not in a church. Salvation is not in works. It's in a name. The Savior, Jesus Christ. And that'll never change. Count the cost now and make sure we're willing to pay the price so we don't turn back on Christ. Our Savior deserves our loyalty. Our Savior deserves our allegiance. There was a day in America when you can preach much of the Bible doctrines and for the most part, people will tolerate it. They may not agree with you, but at least they let you do it. But we are now in a cancel culture mentality. Messages that do not line up with mainstream beliefs are no longer being tolerated. They are aggressively being canceled or silenced with the end goal of making sure that there is only one narrative going around. They want to silence the message. But loyalty says, no, you can tell us to stop, but politely, we're not going to stop. No other way to heaven but Jesus. Jesus did not stay dead. He gave up his life willingly and three days later rose again from the grave. Peter and John said, there's no way we're going to change that message. We heard Jesus say that he will rise, uh, raise his body again. Not only that, but we saw that Jesus was resurrected. We can't but speak what we have seen and what we have heard. Can't change the truth, amen. Loyalty to Christ means faithfulness to his message. The apostle Paul in the last days of his life declared, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He said, I'm about to die, but I've not changed the message. I still hold on to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I've kept it. I protected it. Did not diminish anything from it. It's the same as when it was given to me. That's loyalty. Never changing the message. Loyalty to Christ means suffering for his name. Now, Acts 5.38, and now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone, for it is the counsel, uh, or this work will be of men, it will come to naught, but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy. To suffer shame for his name. And again, it's hard for me to relate to the apostles and what they just went through. But others around the world can relate. For the most part, we have not yet been able to describe what they went through. But our Savior deserves loyalty that would rejoice to be counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure I can. I'm not sure I can. I've not been put to that test yet. I'd like to. 
I'd like to think that I would love Jesus so much that when it comes to that, I would not turn back on him. We don't really know until we're put to the test. But loyalty means suffering for his name. Loyalty to Christ means boldness to face our fears. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter, Acts 4.13, of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They did not check to see if their response would get them into more trouble. They did not fear the consequences. They were bold in their witness. And by the way, there's a reason for that. They had been with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. Especially in the last three and a half years of Christ's ministry. By the way, let me apply that to us. Jesus is the word of God. There's, not something, there's something about drawing nigh to God's word and allowing it to work in our hearts that brings boldness to the Christian. It's when we drift away from what God has said and God has promised that we start to fear what others may do. The Apostle Paul was going through the storm of his life. He's about to drown. And I would imagine fear gripped his mind, but fear turned to faith. Why? Acts 27. The Bible says, after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and I have loosed from Crete, and have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not. Why did the angel say, Fear not? Because he was scared, amen. But he said, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And Lord God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. In time of fear, the word of God brought comfort. It reminded Paul to whom he belonged. And what life was all about. He says, God, I am his. And the Bible says, and he is the one I serve, he said. We belong to God. Our life is to believe, uh, to be lived serving God. And the more that truth becomes real to us, the more loyalty to Christ we have. And fear will turn to faith. It's for him, amen, that we're doing this. God promised they'll be fine. Loyalty to Christ means faithfulness to his message. Loyalty to Christ means suffering for his name. Loyalty to Christ means boldness to face our fears. Loyalty to Christ brings glory to God. John 21, 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, Jesus talking to Peter, thou girdest thyself and walk whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. He did not die a natural death. He died a violent death. And Jesus told Peter, you're going to die a violent death. And if you had a choice, it's not how you want your life to end. But Peter, it's how I want you to glorify me. It would seem such a heavy subject to preach. But the cause of discipleship is heavy. Jesus said so himself. If any man come to me and hate not his father. You know what that means? He's not, not literally hate them. That means love them less. Less than who? Less than him. It says if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother 
and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And then he says, so likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer and King, deserves our loyalty and allegiance. Our highest allegiance is not to a country, though I love this country. My highest allegiance is to my God, to my Savior, the one who died on Calvary to purchase my soul. Our highest allegiance is to Jesus Christ. The question is, are we willing to pay the cost of loyalty? I must be honest, I'm not sure I can, but I'd like to be able to, because our Savior deserves no less. How about us tonight? Is everything on the altar? Did you get what Jesus said in those two verses? Basically, what he's saying is, I want you to put everything on the altar of sacrifice and let me decide what I do with those and come and follow me. Are we willing to lay it all on the altar? Are we willing to lose all if that is what will glorify God? Will we daily read Luke chapter 14 verse 26 to 33 and give up everything to his control? That would be a good practice to do. Every day, read that passage and say, God, as best as I know how, I yield these to you. Would you help me to follow you? Is our all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Paul said it this way, I die daily. Daily offering everything to God. Daily placing ourselves on the cross and dying to self. I read stories of Christians who refuse to deny the Savior, getting beaten and many getting killed. And I like to read that. I said, I wonder if I can do that. I've not been put to the test yet, but I'd like to be able to do that. Peter told Jesus, do all men forsake you? You know what, Jesus? I won't. Even if I die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. And Jesus said, you know, I like your spirit, Peter. But you're actually going to go into deny me three times tonight. But Jesus gave Peter a second chance. Remember that story. Peter, lovest thou me? Three times Jesus asked. And then he says, you know what? Feed my sheep. Peter, your love is not quite where it needs to be. But it will be someday. Because in that same passage... That's when Jesus said, this is how you're going to glorify me. You actually, you told me you're going to lay down your life a while ago. But you know what, Peter? There will come a time because of your love for me that you would actually lay down your life for me. Jesus gave him a second chance. It may sound extreme to us how much Jesus says being loyal to him would cost. That's because we're not exposed to it here. Not yet. Not in this country. And we may never experience that kind of persecution. What other Christians around the world are expect, uh, experiencing. 
But if we did, I would like to be able to say, I was faithful. No, let me take that back. I would like my Savior to say, He was faithful unto death. Our Savior deserves no less. He gave everything to us. And Jesus is saying, why don't you return the favor? Why don't you give everything to me? And let me decide what to do with it. I know what I'm doing. Let me take care of that. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.